We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It feels like this week has been long. Long, long, and uh, I know for Andreas, it feels even longer because he was sick all week, so he's been in the crib probably just binging off of Netflix series and Red Dead Redemption 2. How Um, did you know? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what you do on your sick days. You just be there wrapped up in a cover playing video games. Let, Let me tell you about Red Dead Redemption real quick before we start talking about combat sports. 
if anybody who hasn't played the game yet, I'm sure you may have by now learned about how random this shit is. It's like Grand Theft Auto, but it's so much more ridiculous. So, little story. Today, no, not today, yesterday. Well, I was sick. I was getting better. So I, pl- I decided to play. And this is when the game finally sucked me in. Um, I was already in it, but then there was just this one random-ass moment. So I, I went and I met this uh, old broad who was a, a gunslinger. And I needed to go get a story from her as part of the game. And you end up in this shootout. And I finished the shootout, so I was like, cool. So I started looting all the bodies and taking all this shit. <laughs> so my horse is chilling outside. So I go outside, and I go to, and it's dark. And there's a horse riding by, and I hear a late. This is not. This is a random event. She's like, "Help me! He's he's taking me." And the guy's like, "Shut up, bird!" Or like, "Bitch!" Or some shit like that. And he rides off. He's riding off with it. So I'm like, "Man, I'm gonna be a good guy. I've just got done killing a bunch of people. What's one more?" So I jump on my horse and go chasing after this guy. And she's yelling, "Save me! Save me!" So my horse runs into a fucking tree, and I flew off the horse head first. But the guy, he like, he trips up. So when his horse goes over, I, I pull out my rifle and I go into dead eye, which is like your slow motion matrix type shit. But he's he's mad far away. So I clip him. He slumps. He falls off the horse. But the horse doesn't stop. And she's like, the lady's like, what are you doing? Dude's dead and the horse is taken off. <laughs> so I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, man, I need to finish this. So I go, and, and my horse gets back up. I jump back on my horse, and I'm chasing this wild horse about maybe like maybe like 30 seconds. And I feel like I'm close, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to shoot the horse. <laughs> so I, I shoot the horse, but I graze the lady, and somebody saw it. And he's like, dude, and he was like, murderer, because I guess he saw me shoot the other guy. Cause so, so he runs, and he goes and tells the sheriff that I shot this dude and his wife. So it looks like a robbery. So I'm like, what the fuck? So they sent the cops after me. So I jump on a train and they're chasing me on the train. My horse is running alongside me, <laughs> kicking cops. The horse is kicking cops, like trying to, because I've had this great bond with the horse. It ends up into this like ridiculous shootout on a train. Um, and then what happened? And then I fell off the train. I jumped into a swamp. And then there was like a snake bit another guy. And then they finally ganged up on me, shot me down, and killed me. It was like the 20-minute most ridiculously random thing that's happened to me in this game today. And I was like, dude, I'm sold. Like, this is – it's so <laughs> random. Everything that happens is so random. should have so, mind yeah, your damn business. That, that's, the, that's the moral of the story. You should have just let him yeah. take her and mind your business. Yeah, like I should have just let him go. Because earlier in the game, I was riding by and – I pulled up and I saw a stagecoach and a dude was slumped over. And it's an old man, a dude was slumped over, and a lady's like in a pool of blood. Dude looks at me and was like, you didn't see shit here. And he just took off. And I'm like <laughs> standing there like, yo. So I went over there and I looped the pockets. I'm like, well, fuck it. If they're dead, I'm going to take their stuff. And somebody saw me. It was like, you're ro- robbery, robbery. So I just shot him dead. And I was like, you ain't telling nobody. So I killed his ass, looted him too. But I felt bad because I probably if I got there early, I could have saved this couple from getting slaughtered by this old man. So this time I was like, man, I'm gonna take the law into my own hands. And I'm gonna just, and I just I blew it, man. If I just would let dude take up. And the other thing was it was a black dude stealing a white girl. No. Oh, so, so you felt know. compelled. <laughs> well, I, well, well, I didn't know until I shot him dead and I, I rolled his body over that he was black. And I was like, oh man. 
I shot a black dude. You still a white girl. So, yeah, so this other stuff, like, other people played the game and they got much more. The Ku Klux Klan is in the game, and there's no, like, if you kill them, nothing happens. Like, it's not like anybody comes after you. You can just kill the clan. So it's like, I can't wait to get further into this game. So, yeah, while I was sick, I caught up on Daredevil, like, one episode from the finale, and I put a bunch of time into Red Dead Redemption, and then I caught up on my wrestling. So, yeah, that's the story of my week. It's more eventful when I'm sick and ain't got shit to do because I can just do really random things. <laughs> yeah, that shit sounds really random. I haven't gotten the game yet, but I know it's going to take over my life. I'm just trying to just wait it out. Well, I, right now I'm busy. When it kind of calms down and like the kids get here around holiday time, I, I'm all for it. Um, let's talk about other wild shit that's been happening, though, outside of your sickness. Uh, it was election day. And I yeah. still saw you. You had a nice little presence on social media during election day. Uh, not, I was sick as hell. And I, just went, I, I had to go vote, but I was sick as hell, yeah. And then we see our state. Nevada is a blue state now, so people obviously got off their ass and voted. Uh, I tried to get off my ass and vote, but they told me I was removed from the system. So I had to put in one of the provisionary ballots or whatever. I don't know. They didn't pull that shit here anyway. So my vote didn't count this time, but best believe I'm beyond be on their ass in two years, triple checking and quadruple checking that I'm in the system because there's no way... I'm getting screwed out of voting in two years. Yeah. But so it was a crazy cycle, though. That's working and all that shit. But nationally, we had uh, the Gilliam dude take the L. So he lost. And to me, it always reminds me of the Chris Rock move. So that shit always makes me laugh. Of, uh, <laughs> uh, that shit is crazy. But Gilliam lost in Florida. It might be like a revote or something. I don't know. Shit's coming across my Twitter. Whatever. He took the L. Um, the Beto dude lost in Texas, even though people feel really good about him and might be a presidential move towards 2020, which you said we've been waiting on someone. Does this qualify? Or are you still no. skeptical? There's still no front runner. Like, no. there's still Joe Biden. There's still Bernie Sanders talking about running. You, you need one. Like, And there's only two years left. So you need one. I'm, I'm still not confident that we... like. I, we got out to vote because everybody really doesn't want Trump to win. He almost flipped Texas. That, that's, that's, that's one hell of a job. No, I mean, it, trust me, it truly is. And it's, it's crazy that you can't win your own state, but you could probably become the president because Texas is hard as hell to flip. But it's just like you have to start campaigning now. And like, like you have to figure out who your front runners are and you have to start campaigning now. So we, we got a way to go. I mean, we still didn't, you know, we still don't, we didn't take over enough. Yeah. You know, there's, there's still a lot of work that, that needs to be done. So, you know, for everybody that went out there and voted, I'm sure, aside from Atlanta and Florida, who only had one fucking job and couldn't get it done, um, everybody else did what they needed to do. Yeah, but that still, shit was crazy. Yeah, it's still not necessarily enough. Like, we can feel good about it, but it's kind of hard to feel good about it when, you know, you have a shooting in California this morning, well, late last night, and, the, and then you have Trump with his commercials about fucking... Uh, immigration caravans, like, like, <laughs> like, like y'all have seen this, right? It looks like a, it looks like it's going to be a, a hostile takeover. This is not true. I don't know where Trump gets this shit from. But then you see him arguing with dude from CNN and throws him out and bans him from the White House just for asking about this dumbass caravan. Like, we still got a way, a lot of work to do, people. It's, it's, it's far from over. So hopefully that y'all understand, like this, 
this midterms is not necessarily an indicator, but it means that we still got to come out stronger for it to still get more people to get out there and vote, or Trump's going to get reelected. Yeah, it's the beginning, not not the end-all, be-all. This is the beginning of the race. I want to talk about that journalist, though, because that shit was crazy. One, the video that uh, the White House correspondent chick or you know whoever runs the media, I forgot her name, uh, the video she put out that was like sped up, where it looks like he chops the little intern's hand, yeah. that shit had me dying. Because we all know, we've all been to UFC pressers, I can just imagine them like handing us the mic and someone like slow mowing us or like putting us in fast forward and mistakenly bumping them or something. Uh, that shit reminded me of the old school Dana days. Like yeah. when stuff was lawless in the UFC and Dana would wild out if we asked the wrong question. Or his scrums. Oh, he just blasts people in the scrums. Uh, Trump is on full Dana White levels, except it's less funny because it's the president of the United States. Uh, but being banned in general, have you ever wowed out during like a press or an interview? Have you almost gone like, like full, don't give a fuck Dre? Mm, no, because I don't like, I don't like asking questions at pressers to begin with. I do it occasionally, but no. So I've never really been in that mode where I needed to go off. You don't ask questions because people steal your shit. Yeah. We understand. I'm always trying to ask questions. One, because they don't give me questions anywhere else. So I was like, you know, fuck it, I, I got to let my voice be heard and people are going to steal it. But oh, well, uh, it actually did good. You called me that one time. You're like, yo, your, your voice is in the McGregor movie. That was some shit that was just randomly asked at a scrum. Yeah. So it, it comes back and has its purposes. Have you ever wowed out during an interview? Because we talked on the podcast. We talked about that one time. You're like, yo, I really can't ask um, Mike Perry a question yeah. at this media day. Cause shit might go left, but you've had a ton of like normal ass interviews in like access and especially in hip hop. Have you ever just been interviewing someone and be like, yo, this shit can go really left right now? Um, yeah, it's happened. Uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of, of a particular situation. I remember Rob, when I was working at BSO, like I was, it, my first like UFC event, it might've been my second, it was in Denver. It was like my second or third UFC event. And uh, my kids were sick, and I and I went, but I went like quick, and I was scrambling. And uh, this is before, like I didn't like I didn't care. I didn't take like pictures of the city and shit. I flew in and out in two days, and then they were like they called me and they were, they had denied my next one. And I was like, yo, what's up? And I talked to Rob. I was like, Rob, what's up? He called them. They were like, uh, you were fighting or arguing with people in Denver at the press row and all this stuff. I was like, nah, that wasn't even me. So they made me turn in a bunch of like info and like receipts and shit like this. And turns out there was some random ass black media dude causing a ruckus. And they thought it was me. I was like, yo. So I almost got blackballed from the UFC because a black random media dude in Denver, who I guess worked at like the local newspaper or some shit, was wilding out. And they thought it was me. It was before they knew me, but they they kind of had a grasp of what I looked like. And it was a case of mistaken identity. So I almost didn't have the show, almost didn't cover anything. And me and Rob had to do damage control and prove that it wasn't me. And they're like, oh, my bad. No harm, no foul. So since that day, I learned, yo, I can't beast at anyone. Like, I can't go off. I can't act wild. I can't do nothing because they are quick to bland, to just ban black people in these things. I was like, nah, I can't do it. 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever had it. Like, I've had some interesting interviews, but there's nothing I can really point to that was like, they could have went really left. I, I know there was one where I was like, what the fuck? Like, uh, I was interviewing, I was at BET and I was interviewing Day 26. Wow. That took <laughs> that long. That was. So, they sent me to the office to interview Day 26. It was like, before the album was coming out. So, it was kind of a big deal. They hadn't done any interviews. They were on uh, TV though, right? Like, the show was yeah. actively going. Yeah. Yeah. Making the Band was actively on. So I show up and uh, I forget, like the dude, Q, whatever, all those guys are there. And one of them, Rob, was uh, tired. And I was like, so? Like, he was like, man, I'm tired. I'm like, okay, this won't be long. It'll be like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So apparently they, they were out partying. And the label's like, you have to do this interview. It's BET. Like, you can't, it's not like some bullshit interview. You got to do it. So Rob is falling asleep while I'm doing the interview. And <laughs> mind you, the interview was on camera. Oh, so, shit. So the camera is panning over when he's falling asleep. And eventually I go, stop moving the camera. If he's going to fall asleep, just get the shit on camera. And I said, like, man, what are you going to do with my boy like that? And I'm like, wake your boy up. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to protect him from falling asleep. And so, like, Rob is like, oh, man, what the, come on, man, come on. And I'm like, nah, G, like, you got to, you have to wake up, like, I'm like, yo, I just interviewed, I think it was like Kid Cudi, Wale, DMX, um, Drake, Trey Songz. Y'all the lowest on the totem pole right now. So for you guys, for any of you to fall asleep like, and not take this shit serious, and I always say it, like I always say it to Craig Mann, you won't be around next year because you won't. And they weren't. So that's on them. Because, I mean, shit, how do you fall asleep during an interview? Not, <laughs> and not like mid, not because you're not getting talked to. It's just because you're tired and the interview just started. And it was like, I had to keep calling him out. And I was like, stop moving that camera. I was like, stop it. Because he's sleep. Let's get that shit on camera. And, <laughs> yeah, you just strong arm day 26. Yeah, I mean, it, come on, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, hip-hop is a weird place to have interviews. I'll just put it like that. I've had, I've had some fantastic interviews. I've had some... I'm, I'm lucky that I haven't had too many bad interviews like mr cheeks was like a horrible interview that i had a long time ago um dmx <laughs> pulling the phone out the wall but that was just i heard that from the other line and that didn't have anything to do with me I had it was like three people doing an interview and that shit was weird um dmx used to notoriously fall asleep during interviews and get tired and just rip phones out of walls yo <laughs> like he was talking on like a house phone yeah like this is so this this had to be like 07 maybe 08 oh this is the downfall of dmx no this is still like dmx is still hot in 2007 like dmx is still he's not i mean he obviously he's past his his prime this is after movie star or a brief movie run dmx yeah this might actually been 2006 and it was just like he would do you know this this is when word started getting out about his drug use and all that stuff so it was like in order to get an interview with dmx you had to you know, you had to be somebody. And and artists like that, I don't really like interviewing too much because it's like, what am I really getting out of this shit? Except for the fact that I could say I interviewed DMX. And uh, yeah, and he did an interview and um, and they, they were like, we got to call you back. DMX is wilding out. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So it's like an hour later and, they, and I happened to be in New York at the time. So I was like, I'm just going to go up to the office. And uh, I go up there and I'm like, yo, what, what happened to DMX? They was like, yeah, he left. And I'm like, well, what happened? And he, they, my man points over to the wall, and there's like a big ass hole in the wall. He's like, yeah. 
DMX just got tired of doing interviews. Like, I'm not doing this shit. And just ripped the phone out the wall and left. <laughs> that was the end of his media day. Like, dead ass. And I don't know if anybody like the industry remembers that shit. I'm sure there's some people that were in the industry at that time that remembers that particular moment. But yeah, there was no more DMX interviews. That was it. I don't know who it was with. I just know... I was like, yo, what happened? There was a hole in the wall. They said DMX said, no word of you. They just pulled the shit out and left. Yo, prime straight on drugs DMX has to be one of the craziest time period. Like, we need a full documentary on that, on that DMX. I don't want, like, Rough Riders DMX. I want, like, the full downfall DMX. Man, DMX is wild, man. And I, and I never met Is he DMX. in prison now? I don't know where DMX is. He's one of the people I've never met. I've never met. I've met a lot of people. I've never seen him in person unless he's on a stage. Oh, I've been in the vicinity. I have never, to my recollection, never met. Again, I was like super young. But um, yeah, now he wasn't like a person I was like itching to give a pound to and to talk to. Like he just, he was scary. Like, nah, I wasn't fucking with him. But I I remember because my uncle worked for Rough Riders at that time. So yeah, I was around like all the all the time. Um, the Rough Riders anthem video shoot, I was there. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I was around him. I just never, no, never in my life say what's up, hi, what's good, nothing, nothing at all. I don't. I'm not sure if he was personable. I know he liked animals, and he liked drugs. Outside of that, I, I'm not sure if he liked any people. Yeah, I don't know. That, that shit is wild. That, whew. Yeah, nah. I would think in music, though, you'd have more crazy interviews than, like, in sports. More people to govern you in sports. Um, In, in music, yeah. it seems like a, a little bit of a wild, wild west. Uh, and a lot of kids just... There, there's no media training, right? There, there's no... There's no one looking over you. You come from SoundCloud or you come from YouTube before or mixtapes before then. Like, I look at the early G-Unit interviews and shit like that, and they're just rolling blunts and wilding out. and So many studio interviews in the late 90s and 2000s. Yeah, I've been a part of those. Boy, <laughs> Boy those are interesting. But I've just never really had a bad experience. in Like, I, I think I've told the story about Kid Cudi. Like, me and Kid Cudi just didn't get along in our interview because he, he refused to look at the camera, and I just kept telling him, like, look at the fucking camera. Um... <laughs> So it's like I, like those little things, but like you know, I, I interviewed the uh, the clips in the studio once. I've interviewed Royce in the studio before, like we knew each other. Um, but it, it, some of the, the the most interesting interviews that I've had have always been. It always ends up happening when the interview is over. Like the best shit happens when the interview ends. And anybody that knows me knows this. For some reason, like I cut off the tape recorder, and then we we start talking. And then that's when the gold. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like, and I have to turn on the tape recorder. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're telling me all the good shit now. Like, me and DJ Premier have had many interviews where I cut off the tape and he just starts talking to that raspy, yeah, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I, there's like a story about him producing a song for Eminem that never came out. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Where'd this come from? And he's like, yeah, that's off the record, though. And I'm like, you already told me. <laughs> but, but it's like hip hop is just, it's a very. It's, I've, I've done interviews in vans with rappers and singers. Like, singers, oh, I'll tell you this one and then we can move on. So, it's another BET interview. So I'm, I'm, You did a lot in one year. I ain't gonna lie to you. 
Yeah, I mean, Hip Hop DX was like, I did a lot of shit at Hip Hop DX. Like, I probably, I don't know if, like, I forget some of the stories I've, I've told on this podcast. Like, I don't know if I told the story about the, the Haitians with the guns in the elevators at the Ozone Awards. I don't know if I've told that You've story. You never told that on the podcast. I think you told it to me one time when you were around AJ. Yeah, because he was, no, he wasn't there. He was at the other Ozone Awards. But yeah, me and Mr. Fab was supposed to get on the elevator. There was a bunch of Haitians with guns. It was like, you don't want to take this elevator. And Mr. Fab was like, we sure don't. And it was a shootout later. Um, <laughs> but in, in a weird moment at BET, uh, Trey Songs was was popping. Like, Trey Songs was on. Um, so, like, two nights ago, I got invited to, like, some performance. And, you know, they invited the media out. It was, like, him and, like, Brian Michael Cox and a few other people. So the next day, Trey Songs is coming to 106 Park. So, usually, I just, me and my man, Low Key, we go across the street, do interviews. Usually, I don't like to do them. I send Low to do it because I got other shit to do. But this day, he wasn't there. So it was me and Trey. So I go across the street, and he sees my name, but he doesn't know who I am. So he, and he thinks, because my name's Andreas, he takes off the S and thinks it's Andrea. So I walk up to like where the green room is at, and I got my cameraman there, and they're like, and, the, and Wendy, I think was, her, her name was Wendy, who's the publicist, is like, Trey's ready for you. So I go into the room, Trey's got this room dimly lit with his shirt open. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like yo. <laughs> and I'm standing there. And Trey's like looking behind me to see who the chick is coming in. I'm like, nah, bro. It's me. And he's like, oh, man. And I'm like, who are you telling? This was fucking awkward. <laughs> like, my man had his like leg cocked up, leaned over on the couch. Like, come on, bro. You got and the full I, Burt Reynolds pose out of, out of like, Trey's song. And he's just, he's looking behind me like, where's Andrea? And I'm like, no, oh, gee, it's me. And he's like, like both of our faces is like, ugh. Trey Songz is a savage. Like, it just, yo, that was full Mr. Ass, Steal Your Girl era Trey yeah. Songz. Dead ass Trey Songz. Ah, man, please. Woo, that brother right there. But yeah, that, that moment right there, like, I felt mad uncomfortable. And then I was just like, I don't really want to do this interview anymore. <laughs> I don't even think I did it. I think I just... Like Drake showed up and I talked to Drake for a minute and I left. <laughs> well, listen, man, every now and then you walk into a room and a guy just has his shirt open, I guess. That's the life of Andreas Hill as a journalist. You come a long way in 10 years, right? If you pop up in the zone locker room and one of the boxers got a shirt open, it just, oh, man, that's not something you got to deal with anymore. At worst, you just get UFC fighters saying that their balls are hot. Outside of that, you're you're pretty much clear. <laughs> oh yeah, see, I I'm mad that I wasn't there for the the height of Ratchet Dre, where you just oh. not that you were Ratchet, but you were in a lot of Ratchet ass situations. Mm, you were Ratchet yeah. by proximity. Yeah, yeah, I missed there out was on a lot. those days. I got the old man days. Yeah, like you missed out on a lot. Like AJ, AJ knows a lot. Like he's <laughs> he's seen a lot. Um, we don't key. even got so source awards, no ozone awards. We don't got none of that shit. Yeah, low key, he's he saw a lot. Like at BT, like I mean, you know, at BT, you're out. Literally, we were out five nights a week. Every night, we were at a party with a table or at a studio. Like I was never home. It was not conducive of a good marriage. Like it, it just <laughs> put it that way. Like and open bars every night. And I did this for 365 days. Yeah, that's bananas. 
It's so a, people like is it low key hosting like Duce Palooza or something still? Yeah, that's my guy. He's, He's still drinking. Video. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Like I love Low to death, but it, it, like I had to slow down. He's on a decade strong. Yeah, like low, like low, because low worked under me, so you know he was he was coming up, but he stayed in New York. I left and I moved into sports. Whereas he always had a future in like radio and hosting, and he got ended up doing both. And yeah, but the year that I was man, woo, them nights, man, if the walls could talk. <laughs> Right. Oh man! All right, let's talk about combat sports. What we came to talk about, and we gotta sadly end this story time with Old Man Andreas portion of the podcast. And the big headline this week: Floyd Mayweather was eh, that close from fighting and and rising, but it didn't happen. And it was a whirlwind kind of story for what two days? It was on ESPN. It was on SportsCenter. It was everywhere. I think Skip talked about it. Skip and Shannon, everyone was like, oh, he's fighting Ryzen. They they found uh, Tension's name. Oh, look at the kid he's going to fight. He's one of the best. His, I know his YouTube went crazy. You know, these YouTube highlights went nuts. And Floyd, for a second, looked like he might be taking that, that toe into the MMA world. Um, not full-on MMA. It would have had to be special rules, which you pointed out on Twitter when people said, Floyd Mayweather makes MMA debut. Mm-mm. <laughs> so it, it, it was crazy. What did you initially think of the deal? Because when I saw it, I was like, hmm, there has to be something more behind this. Uh, well, yeah, I happened to be working Sunday night, and uh, one, of my, my, one of my European, well, not European, one of my British writers uh, well, British editors at the the zone. He had dropped. He was like, Rise is having a press conference, and Floyd Mayweather's apparently there. And I was like, Oh, let me watch this. Um, and then it was like, Yeah, Floyd Mayweather's fighting, but then there's like no rules, no weight class. And then you watch like Floyd. If you watch the press conference, Floyd looked like really disconnected. And it's weird for Floyd to be in a situation where he was he's disconnected about something that's a big deal. Yeah, so usually he's like my, grandiose and like overperforming, yeah. overselling. My initial thought was, like, before I saw it, I was like, oh, Floyd's probably going to be in some exhibition. Like, I can't see him doing, like, a real fight in Rising, not an MMA fight. Um, but then they were like, yeah, it's a fight. And then there were, like, no rules. And I'm like, okay, this is this is really weird. So <laughs> it feels like they they really just they, they misunderstood Floyd's acceptance as, oh, he's going to fight. And Floyd's like, no, I'm not going to fight. And they're like, yeah, you are. Like, <laughs> Yakuza, we're going to get you. Like, you're going to fight. Yo, so and he couldn't say shit. Like, he was just shook on stage. Like, he couldn't say anything. Like, he just sat there. He was like, uh, yeah, you know, a great fight for the fans. I want to bring a lot of excitement. The canned Floyd Mayweather response. Like, Floyd Mayweather, if he had a doll and you pulled the string, it would <laughs> just say the same things all the time. Um, but, yeah, it, it just I just thought it was – something wasn't right about it. I was just really hoping that it kind of was, though, because I was trying to get an all-expenses-paid trip to Tokyo right before Wrestle Kingdom to go to Rising. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Seems like he's pulled out, and the wool's been pulled over everybody's eyes. Yeah, it's crazy, and it happened so fast. So the press conference, and we see this in combat sports, right? Press conferences come before the details are really made. So they pray to people up there, and then they say, okay, we'll figure out the date and blah, blah, blah later. So I thought it was one of those situations. But the red flags were there. An opponent who is 120 pounds, an opponent who is 20 years old, 
and undefeated. Like, why, even in an exhibition type of atmosphere, is Floyd going to fight someone like that? Like, you, you don't want to look slow. You don't want to look outclassed. You don't want to really have to train for an exhibition. That's the point of it right. being an exhibition. Like, so there was red flags kind of being tossed out everywhere. And then now Floyd releases the Instagram post uh, backing out of the fight, explaining that, you know what, he thought it was an exhibition. He thought he was just going to get some cash to do it in a private small venue for a couple people um, and get paid a lot of money. Did you even know Floyd was doing this backroom bar, eight to ten rich people like Django type shit? Because I had no clue. I didn't know this was an avenue for retired fighters where someone will pay you like 20 million to come and fight for nine minutes for them and their friends in the liver. Yeah, I mean, I know that when Floyd was in Tokyo, he kind of tipped his hat a little bit talking about he had business deals happening in Tokyo. Um, And whatever those were to be, I felt like there was something happening because Floyd is always trying to figure out how to make more money. Um, And this is weird common misconception that Floyd is broke. And I'm like, guys, yeah, I don't think you understand how money works. You don't have to be broke to want more money. No. The richest and, people always want more money. Yeah, and more importantly, Floyd is a guy who, if he, if you haven't learned this by now, it's low risk, high reward. He's put himself in that position. So if an opportunity presents itself where he's not going to get hurt, but he's going to make a ton of money to do it, doesn't mean he's broke. just means he wants more money. So anyway... This feels like there was something happening business-wise. You know, he's been trying to toy with the idea to fight Pacquiao. Like, he's trying to find the path to least resistance to get some more money. Not because he needs it, just because he's bored. Because what else do you do when you've made almost a billion dollars and you really don't have nothing else to do? Nothing. But, like, yeah, so it's like... He's good at... He likes two things. Fighting and gambling. Right? Like, he's been doing one since he was 15, you know, or 12, something like that, at a high level... And then now gambling is his passion. But outside of that, you need money to gamble. He doesn't like fighting. He likes making money. Well, he's good at fighting. Excuse me. He's, yeah. He's, he's good, good at fighting. fighting. He's good at fighting and enjoys gambling. Outside yeah. of that, I'm not sure if, you know, Floyd doesn't strike me as someone who's like Kobe and is going to go in and write movies or produce no. documentaries and start, you know, being artistic. Like, I, I don't think that's Floyd's bag. He likes women. He likes money. He likes gambling, and fighting is his skill to continue to do these things. Yes, it's his way to make money. So it feels like he was trying to make a business deal. It falls apart. People are going to say what they want, that Floyd saw the guy who was fighting and was like, no, but dude, you guys got to understand, Floyd was good. To be fair, I wouldn't judge him if he did. No, I wouldn't judge him either. Because that's that's whack. Like, if you do get Floyd in the rising ring, are you, why really pick that kid? Like, uh, unless you're trying to set him up for superstardom, which is smart. But outside of that, it's not smart to try to get Floyd in there. Yeah, but ultimately, you guys got to understand, if you don't already, that Floyd controls the rules. Like, he's not going to be in a situation where he could put himself in danger against a 20-year-old kickboxer who knocks people's heads off. Not going to happen. It'll be a boxing match where Floyd can dominate and put on an exhibition. So, I I mean, it's, it's over now. It's not happening. We can move on. It was fun while it lasted for that 48 hours. What is next for Floyd? I think he takes the Pacquiao fight. I think um, we see him May, September, whenever it may be. I think I think he's on a collision course with Pacquiao again before he really, really calls it quits. Yeah, well, it really, it really boils down to how the Pacquiao-Broner fight does. 
That's where it starts. If Pacquiao Broner doesn't do that well, then Floyd doesn't see any money in it, he's not going to do it. Oh, there's always money in it. Though. I mean, Floyd Pacquiao, there's money in it. I mean, outside of a loss to Broner, and maybe even a KO loss, there, there's money in it. Well, that's what I'm saying. If, if, if Pacquiao were to lose to Broner, Floyd's not going to be in a rush to fight him for less money. Like, there, I mean, it's already on a shaky ground as it is. Like, if nobody real, nobody in boxing really wants to see that fight again. The only people who wants to see, want to see that fight are people that thought that Manny was compromised, and that's why he lost. And they're gonna and talking heads are gonna paint that narrative. Yeah, they, of course they'll paint it. It's just you, I don't think you can sell that fight for a hundred dollars again because the the landscape of pay per view is changing. I don't think there's a lot of things that I don't think can happen again. Because that fight has to be bigger than it was the last time. And I don't think it can get bigger than it was the last time. But that's all contingent on how Pacquiao looks. Pacquiao looks excellent against Broner. Let's just say Pacquiao washes Broner. Then the fight happens. But if Pacquiao were to lose, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. Like, Pacquiao have to probably washes Broner, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. If Pacquiao destroys Broner, now there's interest in that fight. But if Pacquiao loses to Broner, I don't think there's interest in that fight. I don't think that it's going to take a lot of energy to drum up interest in Manny and Floyd if Manny loses to a relatively, just slightly above average, but somewhat pedestrian Adrian Broner. No, that's true. So Pacquiao got one more. One more step to climb up, and that fight is very possible. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm here for it, Dre. I need, I need the urban loitering week. I, I need I, the craziness. I, I, I really don't want to see that fight. But, Come on, you don't want the tent again? That it's, tent it's was a, funny. Yeah, it's just a lot of work. Like, that week was a lot of work. I, like, I know there, like, I was busy as hell that week. And then it was just nonstop events and, and not, not events in a good way, not like parties. It was like press here, interview here, interview here. Like, I'm, and I, I don't really care for the fight. Like, I really don't <laughs> care to see that fight. Well, I haven't cared to see a Mayweather fight in quite some time. Like, I didn't. I haven't thought they were in question in quite some time, you know? Like, I like, oh, this is a great matchup. I'm like, no, Floyd's going to do what Floyd does, and I don't think it's really going to be that difficult. Um, probably since the Canelo fight. I haven't really been intrigued by a Mayweather fight. But the week is so much fun. The the craziness, the interviews, the, the random people popping up, the celebs here, celebs there, the parties afterwards. One of the drunkest times I've been in my life is that Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao uh, party afterwards. Um, yeah. I remember, yeah, we had the, the table in Cosmo. It was, ended up just being four of us, me, Rob, and two other people. And I remember I had a Magnum bottle of Grey Goose to myself that I drank almost half of a Magnum bottle and I couldn't finish it. So they gave me a doggy bag to take it home. I had that shit at home drinking it for like three more weeks. Wow. That, that's when you know it's real. When the club gives you a doggy bag for your magnum bottle of Grey Goose. And I was just, yeah, man. I was, I was drunk. Drunk. Yes. And that See, was this is, fun. This so, is where my old and washed card comes out. Because I've, I've done all this shit before. So it's like, it doesn't intrigue me. Like, I'm just, like, if it happens, I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to get you out post-fight one day. One day. I mean, but that, that's the thing. is that I've been out. Like, you, yeah. Look, listen, you, you really can't show me anything that I haven't seen before. No, but, the, okay, that's true. But, <laughs> like, a decade has passed. 
Like you, you've been old and washed for a decade. No, I mean, you act like I haven't been out in the past like few years. No, it, since I've had my daughter, I have been nowhere. And oh, I'm and told- you know what's unfair is that I've been saying this on this podcast for four and a half years, and that's true. Once you had your daughter, you calmed down. But you went to the UK and had a ball, and they yeah, took you everywhere. See, I wasn't mm-hmm. there. I I need that 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 trademark corner podcast, Dre and Kel, drunk as hell somewhere moment. <laughs> we got time. Well, right. We we got time. Right. We got a long time left in our careers, Dre. You ain't going nowhere. I don't care if, if we got to get drunk in our fifties, our sixties. We're getting fucked up sooner or later. Wow. All right, it's happening. Uh, that is the goal for the podcast. Look, get back to combat. <laughs> um, let's talk MMA since we talked Rising and another promotion um, overseas. One championship is signing everyone. It seems like. Uh, they trade, which sounds ridiculous still, for Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, and they've named Misha Tate VP, I believe, as of today. Um, they're going to formally announce it here coming soon. I guess she's moving to Singapore for it. Or yeah, why not? Yeah, I guess. Like, cool. I, um, I just need to know what the job consists of. Is, is she just like a, a name? But they're just putting like, hey, we got Misha Tate. Because like, what does Misha Tate know about the business? So I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious. Um, she seems knowledgeable on the show with Big Mac. But that's, that's a lot different between knowledgeable and then running a business. Very true. Um, the only thing I can think of is maybe marketing wise for their women and trying to get the women on par with the men. Um, they have some really skilled women's champions. The Anton weight chick is like with the best in the world, I believe. The, yes. the young chick. Uh, so Angela Lee. Angela Lee, um, who just pulled out of a fight. But she is extremely talented and young. So just marketing those type of characters, I think maybe she can bring that aspect to it. So we'll see what goes forward. But I know she cashed out. She got the bag. If you're moving to Singapore, you got the bag. Yeah. Like, you you out of here. They they put some nice, nice change on the table. Um, for DJ, outside of just money, they... Seem to have created this whole esports aspect of the company that they just announced a couple days ago around Demetrius Johnson. And they're giving one of the things that one does that the UFC doesn't and that they do so well is the pageantry around entrances and the fighters and, and building the characters. And it kind of, I don't want to say it seems like pro wrestling, but it seems like, you know, a magnified stage. Everyone has personality, these entrances, everything's grandiose. And it seems like they're putting that same thing into esports, which is, you know, one of the fastest growing sports, if not the fastest in the world and something a lot of people can relate to. And you don't have to be born athletically superior to get into it, which makes it, you know, a common common ground. So people predict it's going to be as big as the NFL in 40 years because everyone can do it. You're not limiting your talent pool. So that that's crazy. And they get ahead of it. And you said the UFC had this at their hands. I, I don't think the UFC ever wanted to do this. No, they didn't want to do it, but it was right in front of them. Like, I don't think it was a esports- missed opportunity, though. Like, WME has movies. They're fine. It's a missed opportunity for marketing. Like, listen, when you have an opportunity to make more money and to do, like, to involve yourself into something like esports, and as much as esports is growing, and the fact that the esports arena is right here in Las Vegas, which is where the UFC is headquartered. Why wouldn't you do this? It's right under your nose. So, yeah, maybe they had other interests, but this will this will be one of those things that they'll look back at and go, God damn it, we should have did that. Because it's smart. 
everybody's doing esports, just like you said. And if you're champion, who was your champion at the time, Demetrius Johnson, um, if you need to find a way to market him, like he should be on the cover of like, you know, Electronic Gaming Monthly, and he should be doing interviews with IGN and GameSpot and and Kotaku and all those damn websites. Like he should have been visible in the video game world, and now he's going to be. Oh yeah, now he, they're putting money behind it. So you're correct. He he's going to be extremely visible. Um and they're gonna try to build him as a star in that medium. Because once again, Demetrius Johnson, amazing fighter, everything else, he, he's still a fighter, right? He he's only gonna fight for like five more years. He can be the face of your gaming company for fifteen if you want. Tony Hawk is still pushing stuff. Like to, Tony Tony's not competing on a skateboard. Like, so you can build these characters in sports to go way longer. John Madden is still the face of football on consoles. You have these things where it lasts longer even than the person is, is actively in the field. Demetrius Johnson could have been that, and we'll see if he turns into that. But I'm not sure if they, they saw that. The UFC is in a weird place, and another thing that highlights that is they just shut down the flyweight division. Demetrius is out of there, and they're like, ah, we don't really like short people. You guys I mean, don't bring in the money. Dominic Cruz told me at, at UFC 229, me and Dominic Cruz sitting there having a conversation. He was like, they're going to shut it down. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. And he was explaining why this made perfect sense, and he was right. Did he it make perfect sense? Perfect. Yeah. Because, well, in his mind, because he said, if Cejudo is fighting DJ... I mean, if he's not fighting DJ and he's fighting TJ Dillashaw, it's not me fighting TJ Dillashaw. He's like, take my ego out of it. I'm the last person that beat TJ Dillashaw. Why shouldn't I be fighting him for the title? I'm a, he, so he's like, so it only tells me that Cejudo's getting that opportunity because they plan on shutting down that division. He, he was right. So it's he so was, weird, right? Because now TJ, and the reason he took this fight was to try to be a dual champion. Originally. That's why he campaigned for the fight against Mighty Mouse, right? to cut weight and become a dual champion. Eliminating division kind of takes that accomplishment away from him. Like, are, are you really beating a champion when that belt is connected to nothing? Well, I mean, <laughs> Cyborg has a belt. And look at that division. There's not even rankings for it. No, but she sells. Yeah, she does sell. But so they, they ain't doing shit with is, that one. <laughs> like, the whole, the whole point is, like, the flyweight division, no matter what anybody says, like, like all you hardcore fans say you love it, Nobody watches them outside of Demetrius Johnson. Nobody. No, I mean, they don't they're buried on cards. They give some exciting fights, but... They do. They're like, this is not to say they don't give exciting fights. This just says that, that the UFC has not put a red cent behind marketing that division. Because it's been Demetrius Johnson and everybody else for so many years. And guys like Joseph Benavidez... I mean, they, they, I mean, it's, it's, it's partially to do with the fighters as well. Guys like Benavidez, Pettis, they couldn't get past a guy like DJ, or when they get close, they lose. So there's, there was no marketing push put behind those guys. And the fact that they're not headlining events, they're not household names, they're not, like, they're, they're only in there because of DJ. It's only to find out who's going to fight Demetrius Johnson. That's the only reason why they existed. And now it's like, eh, nobody's going to miss them. Let's be honest. Because who, who are you missing out of that division? Who's the fighter that you go, damn, man, I really want to see who? If it ain't Demetrius Johnson, it's a who that's moving up. Who? Wilson Race? Uh, yeah, no, like, 
everyone else I want to see can move up. We, we saw we saw Dotson. Dotson moved up. Dotson's been okay. Ten pounds heavy. Like he Whoa. and he's tiny, but he he's held his own. He's won fights. He's ranked in the top ten. Um, his power's not the same. Like it's not the same, but he's still a good fighter. But the the difference between like Wilson <laughs> Ray, Juicy Formiga, um, Sergio, like they're small, and and asking them to move up isn't going to help them, because if you look at guys like Cody Garbrandt, T.J. Dillashaw, they're pretty big bantamweights. Isn't Aljamain Sterling? They're, they're not. Aljamain's huge. Yeah, like they're not. They're not small bantamweights. So there's going to be a size discrepancy for any of those guys that move up. And then when you put them in, because it's not like bantamweight is a weak division. It's pretty loaded with talent. All mm. those guys fall to the bottom half of that, the rankings. Yeah, it's going to be hard to to transition and be immediate, you know, title conversation and everything like you were. No, they're going to be cut. Like, let's just be honest here. They're going to be cut. Justin Scoggins is already on Twitter talking about he's cut. Like, a lot of these guys are going to be cut. Well, Scoggins got cut. Yeah, Scoggins got cut. That's rough. Scoggins like, I mean, is good. And he's got a fight. He's got a bantamweight fight. And I think this is his last fight in his contract. But uh, those guys are going to have to hope that 1FC picks it up or whoever. Like, you know, Bellator would be wise to get some of these guys. Oh, but yeah. It's, open up the division because – the UFC, WME has always been about entertainment, and they're not entertained by the flyweights anymore. So they, they're going to move on. So And they tried, man. They, they opened up you know, the, the ultimate fighter for Demetrius Johnson to try to get him more competition. It just, nothing really clicked. No, it, but it didn't click, and they didn't, they didn't push the champion like the champion should have been pushed. Because when Anderson Silver was washing the middleweight division, washing the middleweight division there was this this special emphasis on anderson silver being like the super attraction they didn't do that with demetrius johnson like they they were they had their hands full with so many other guys that they didn't really push him as like the man like anderson silver was the man even though the division was weak as shit but that's partially because like anderson used to rant run everybody up out of there because that's the same thing that dj did like dj having that that finish against ray borg that that suplex armbar finish, yo, that's that's like the Showtime kick. <laughs> that's one of the craziest shits I've ever seen in my life. That's but no, arguably one of the best after, stops. Yeah, after it happened, it went away, and that's not how you build stars. Yeah, that's that's nuts. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm looking at the rankings. Pettis, I'm not sure if he can move up. He's small. Um, Benavidez can move up. We have. Ray Borg can move up, keep him. Uh, you mentioned, oh, are John Moraga can move up. Like, John Moraga sure got some power. Keep him? Like, uh, but I'm just saying, are you sure? You can't keep, keep a lot of them, but you can keep like oh. four or five. Like yeah, I'm looking I'm at the top 15. Like I'm, I just picked five out. Everybody else kind of got to go. You're shuttering the, like the vision is going to get shuttered. Those guys, they're not going to exist. Like it's not even worth even talking about until they figure out what they're really going to do. Yeah, it's. They can keep five of those guys. Uh, looking at the rankings, you, do you still vote for these? Yeah, I do. Oh, you still? Okay, you still hold your vote. Um, uh, Mr. John Jones has appeared on these rankings. He's eligible again. Interesting. Everyone in light heavyweight division has been bumped down. So he's only behind, behind Daniel Cormier, which mm-hmm. is still odd. I understand Cormier is the champion. And then in the pound-for-pound pound list, it goes Cormier, Khabib, John Jones. Mm-hmm. 
I had a TJ Dillashaw, Max Holloway, GSP, which is six, which is still ridiculous. The guy fought once in five years. And Tyron Woodley. Um, I don't know. Should he be behind Khabib? Yeah. Pound, pound for pound, you throw titles and shit out the window. How is John Jones behind Cormier? Uh, well, you can't throw titles and shit out the window. Pound for pound is also what have you done for me lately. And Daniel Cormier has been winning lately. Like, he, he just beat... But he guy. lost twice to the guy who's wait, 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 wait. He just beat the heavyweight champion who people were talking, calling the greatest heavyweight of all time. And he watched him in one round. Yeah. John Jones failed a drug test. Regardless of what you say, he failed a drug test. Hasn't fought in almost two years. So you Can't think be. three is, is around the right spot? Yes. Khabib, has, Khabib just watched Conor McGregor, who was a lot of people's number two. Yeah. For being a dual division champion. And Khabib watched him. Also, Khabib's never lost. So never you know, lost. <laughs> if, if you in a what have you done for me lately situation, until John Jones beats Anders, uh, Alexander Gustafson, he's he has to sit behind Khabib and, and Daniel Cormier. Cormier's the dual champ. You can't put him like you can't put a guy who's not the champ ahead of the dual champ. The champ champ. Yeah. That is rough, except when that guy beat him twice. But I understand. Um, talking about Cormier, we can dive real quick into UFC 230, which seems like it was three weeks ago, but it was one week ago, and just talks about some of the fights that stick out to us. Uh, to me, it's really, I guess the main card is what stuck out to me. And it opened up with Israel Adesanya, style bender, and he dismantled Derek Brunson. It, it looked to a point like it was too easy. It was like watching those earlier Anderson Silver fights, like you were talking about. Yeah, it's it's a lot of people are already making the mistake of comparing him to Conor McGregor, but he's a vastly different fighter than Conor oh, no. McGregor. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor has a dynamite left hand. Israel Adesanya has a lot of things, like if from the short knees that he threw to the high kick to the straight right hand to finish Derek Brunson. How about the wrestling defense? Yeah, I mean he is an exceptional. It's going to be interesting, though, because depending like it's it's hard because Dana says he doesn't want to push him up too fast. But where the fuck does he go? He's at six. Number four is getting the title shot. Yeah, he stopped number six and he pushed him back. And Luke Rockhold can't stay healthy to save his life. Why is Rockhold number two? Because he beat number three. Uh, The. uh who like Joel Romero doesn't seem like he wants to fight as a middleweight anymore, and then you have Kelvin Gastelum, who is fighting for the title. The only person left is Boracina, Paulo Costa, who looks like a fucking super soldier. Um, that's the only other person he could fight. But what makes that troubling is that there are two like prospects in a sense, two guys on the rise, and you really don't want to put those two guys up against each other. Yeah. So how long do you keep Adesanya out of the, the top top four? Like, I can't – it's it's hard for me to fathom how you keep him out of this. Like, people may say <laughs> he hasn't fought anybody. The only person left that he could fight that is a very dangerous fight is Jacare. Yeah, and they're that, on the but, same card. And, you know, Jacare just will touch on – he just knocked out Chris Weidman in yeah. a close fight. And Weidman was actually winning before he gets knocked out. And the jaw is just – the chin is gone on Weidman. Isn't it what I said about Chris? Something ain't right. Something's yeah. not right. He gets hurt every fight. And he was winning again. Again. Just steer clear. 
My man gets hurt every fight. Every fight Chris Weidman gets hurt. It catches up to you sooner or later when you can't recover. So, I like, mean, I don't know how fast Weidman can come back, but the, the matchups probably to make is Paulo Costa versus Weidman or Romero, and then Asanya versus Jacare. Yeah, and I, I really don't think Dana's going to put out Asanya in there with Jacare. I really don't think he is. He says he's got an opponent in mind. He won't say who it is. I feel I like it's Anderson Silva. I don't. I feel I, like it's a, a statement I, fight, you know, like a, nah, like a star building fight. Nah, you leave Anderson alone. And I don't think Israel wants that fight. Like, he'll take it, but for what? What does it do? It just makes you a star. Like, Anderson still nah, just has star doesn't. power. No, Anderson ain't selling shit. That's just it, a, it's a good name to have on the resume. Yeah, he's old and wise. It's like going to beat up Matt Hughes. Like, who wants to do that? No. It's just on the resume. At the end of the day, you just look at the resume. It's, it's pointless to fight Anderson Silva. It's absolutely pointless. It's a fight that I absolutely wouldn't want to see. Um, and I, I just think it's a bad idea. If it happens, fine. I just think it really doesn't do anything for Adesanya because it's not like he's fighting the best Anderson Silva out there. No, it just buys him time. And you kind of see where else, you know... You see who gets healthy. Maybe a Rockhold gets healthy. Um, did Rockhold just scrap another fight, though? Yeah, he was supposed to fight Weidman. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was a wash. So we'll see what happens with Luke. And then uh, Romero, like you said, we don't know what he's doing. It could be Jared Cannonier who smashed David Branch. Like, Adesanya could fight him. And Cannonier looked great at that weight. And uh, Dog, is the hair. My man didn't grow hair. He moved the middle weight, grew hair, and knocked the shit out of David. <laughs> he's on his pusher team? The powers in the hair? Has to be. Um, yeah, no, that that was a great, great, just out of nowhere TKO because uh, Branch had a pretty good first round. Cannonier just came and wrecked him. Um, Jacare wrecked him. And then in the main event, Cormier versus Derek Lewis, and it wasn't even competitive, Not which it shouldn't have been. Like, you can't prepare for a wrestler the caliber of Cormier in three weeks. I don't give a fuck if you gave Derek Lewis a year. He's still, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. The same shit would have happened. He couldn't stop any takedowns. No. Like, but this is... This that ankle pick was nasty. And this this tells you how, like, how good Daniel Cormier is. The fact that Derek Lewis is your number two contender and he just made him look like nobody. He smashed the guy who's arguably the greatest heavyweight in Stipe Miocic. Is He's Daniel Cormier the greatest heavyweight of all time? That's that's he, where we're approaching, he, right? Yeah, he needs a couple more fights. Like it, it, it gets hectic what, because what he's he's fought what fourteen times at heavyweight. Well, I'm talking about against elite level competition because, uh, dude, the Fedor is Fedor is still a guy who fought everybody in Pride, yeah. everybody. So it's like any any like guy, everybody fought Fedor and nobody could beat him. So, it, you know, Cormier, is he's, he's peaking late. So it, it makes it real interesting because I don't know. Because, I mean, you know. I mean, Roy what, Nelson, Frank Mir, Josh Barnett, Antonio Silva, big nog. Um, those are his main fights at heavyweight. And then you go to Stipe and Derek Lewis. Those are six pretty damn good heavyweights. No, I'm, don't don't get me wrong. He's up there, but it, it's like 
what Fedor accomplished when he was a heavyweight, whew, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a tall mountain. Like, it's, it's one of those things where you say, okay, is the argument what your overall body of work? Because obviously Fedor is not who he used to be. But if Fedor wins this heavyweight Grand Prix, then the, it's this, like, well, shit. This is an incredible second act if he wins the Grand Prix. Yeah. Like, if he does that, this is incredible. I but would love to see to... Cormier versus Fedor. Cormier said this, like, his dream fight. Like, if he had one fight to go out on, it'd be him versus Fedor. And I understand, like, you can't cross-promote. But if Daniel's like, yo, fuck it, it's my last fight. Like, I understand. Like, Brock isn't ready. It's my last fight. Fuck it. Can we work something out? That'd be amazing. It would. Champion but it's just, versus you know, champion. Fe- like, fuck it. No belts. Fedor is not the same Fedor. So, it's like, that's, that's where it gets a little... Interesting. Yeah. Because so, but Fedor in his prime run, you're saying, is still a yeah. little bit better in this DC second win yeah. heavyweight. What if Brock yeah, is added I mean, to the list? Like Brock's not like, like nice, no. like sexy enough to add to the list. No, 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 no. 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 Former champion. No. I, I believe yes. that'd be four former heavyweight champions. Frank Mir. Dude, look at Fedor's resume. Like the the, the problem with a lot of people in Fedor now is a lot of people didn't watch Pride. And I was a late comer to Pride and I went back and watched all that shit. The rules and the things that Fedor did to people, being also an undersized heavyweight, mm-hmm. it's it's remarkable. Like he like the Grand Prix, like the guys that he wrecked. They, I mean, cuz you there were guys like Crow Cop who was murdering people at the time. <laughs> Like, the heavyweight division is not... It hasn't been the glamour division in a long time in the UFC. And yeah. there's always... There's this one guy that Cormier is never going to fight that's, that's hanging out out there, and neither is Fedor, who could be the greatest heavyweight if he was healthy, Cain Velasquez. Who's coming back? But it's like, damn. That's the one outlier that you look at, and it was like, could he have been the best of all time? Because Cain was a murderer. Cardio Cain like, is no joke, yeah. Like, when, like Cain was an absolute... Like, he, he was just beast. He just rolling over people. If he could have stayed healthy, who knows? But right now, I still give it to Fedor. Even if Cormier beats Brock Lesnar. But, like, who the fuck is Brock Lesnar now? Yeah. I'm trying to see this pride run. So, it's from 02 through... It's like forever. 2006. Like this, it's like forever. Oh, I'm just saying, like... Mark Hunt, like, Mark Coleman, Crow Cop... Uh, Noguera twice, Kevin Randleman, Coleman again, Nagata, mur- Fujita. The, the dog, this is a murderer's Fuck. row of heavyweights. And he just mowed them all down. Some of them twice. Yeah. Two fights like in he, one night, pride final conflicts. Uh, he was just, he was just, like, the, the right hand. Submitting people it, like a motherfucker. It just it, it didn't matter. Then he showed up on affliction. And he 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 knocked out Arlovsky when Arlovsky jumped in the sky like an idiot. <laughs> then he, then he fought Brett Rogers in Strike Force and then de- destroyed him. And everybody thought Brett Rogers was going to be somebody. And then the wheels fell off. But by that time, but the wheels like, falling off was only three fights. Exactly, exactly. That's but not it, even like a, a huge wheels fell off, right? One was a stoppage. Well, yeah, he got submitted and that shocked the world. And then he lost to Bigfoot Silva because Bigfoot was just too big. And then Dan Henderson mowed him down. And that's when everybody's like, well, fuck it, Fedor's done. Yeah. Fedor looked, t- you know, the Monson fight didn't look too great. At the Ishii fight didn't look too great. And like the Fabio Maldonado fight is a fight that everybody thought Fedor lost. And then somehow 
he's on the verge of winning this, but I think Ryan. Well, Bader the Matt Mitrione fight, like taking that knockout, but they really damn near knocked each other out. Mitrione just yeah. got up faster. So ultimately, it's just Fedor's run right now. I'd say is better than Cormier's, but Cormier is on the cusp of Fedor being younger than like, Cormier. No. He's no, 42. Fader at 42. He's not far. No, but Fedor had a much earlier start. Fedor's had more fights. Yes, a lot. Of. He's got a lot of mileage on him. So it's just the only thing holding Cormier back is John Jones. That's like it. That's legitimately it at this point. And he's not going to fight him again, it looks like. It looks like that chapter is close. Unless you throw a lot of money at him. <sighs> I mean, fuck it. What's one more shot, right? Like, why not one more time? But we'll, we'll see what happens with Brock. There's rumors that he read up with the WWE, um, him being champion again, which we'll, uh, which we saw and we talked about last week, kind of hints towards that. So, we but we we get thin Brock. Brock looks like he's thinning out for a UFC Dog, fight. We didn't talk about Crown Jewel yet. We still haven't talked about Crown Jewel. No, man, it happened last Friday. Oh fuck! That seems like it was two weeks ago. All right, so that's the UFC. Let's get through this. Um, boxing this week, uh, in which we'll just recap, but it's uh, Usyk versus Baloo. That on the zone? Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah. Um, Usyk is, Usyk he's, is pound, he's a pound-for-pound guy. I've seen, him, I've seen people put him in the five, top five. Yeah, because he's really good. Um, this is going to be a good fight this weekend. It's early, so people who, you know, it's in Manchester, thank God. I don't have to go out to Manchester. I love those but it's, uh, Britain fights, yo. Does anywhere in the UK, like, the, the 3 o'clock start time for the main event, I love it. Yeah, the the, uh, the main car starts at 10 a.m., so it's an early start. But that, I'm picking, I mean, Usyk should win. Bell Usyk, he's really good. Uh, he's a cruiserweight who went up the heavyweight and is coming back down. Um, but it, Usyk wins here. It's going to be interesting where he goes. Uh, Usyk hangs out, if people know, he hangs out with Vasil Lomachenko. That's good company to be in. <laughs> so I'm really curious where he goes from here because I think he'd be Bellew, uh Not handily, I think it's going to be a good fight, but he's, Usyk is just, he's just really good. I'm definitely tuning into that one. And then uh, Spence Garcia going to be in Cherry World in Dallas. Too big of a venue? Yes. I, I think this was a, a Vegas-made card. I understand you want to sell him to his home crowd and all. I, mm, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I mean the tickets are gonna have to price be priced very low, and I yeah I get it, but you know Spence being star, but now you got to work double time. Now you got to sell, try to sell as many tickets as you can at AT and T, and you got to sell pay per view. It's a lot. It's a tall order. I'm not saying it can't be done, but if it's falling into this thing where um, we got Pacquiao and Broner in January, so this will be March. I guess you got enough space between because now you some don't have time to, to breathe. Yeah, yeah, you don't have Canelo pay per views to worry about anymore. So it's just it's a hard sell when Canelo when you know that you can watch Canelo for like ten dollars a month. Yeah, it's a hard sell. So, but, or it gives you more money to splurge on pay per views with guys like this. Yeah, I mean you could give it a shot. I mean, look at one way. I'm going to be in Texas. That's where I'll I'll be at the fight. Like we've already talked about it. I'm going. Because um, I'm really looking forward to that fight. I just don't know if casual fans will jump on to this fight like everybody else should. Yeah, Dallas is super cheap, so I'll be there too. Why not? Why as well take the flight? I haven't been there since Mania. So uh, that'll be dope. Pro wrestling, now that we bring it in, I forgot we didn't even talk Crown Jewel, which is bananas. Um, before we jump into that, Naito came out two days ago and said that he turned down a WWE 
e-offer in June to, to make the jump, do you think more New Japan guys are just going to say, eh, I'm good? Because I, yeah. I still think a few are coming over. I, I think the, I think we get the Marty Skrull. Um, I, I think, it to me, it's now or never, right after Wrestle Kingdom, um, for, you know, like the Young Bucks or the Kenny Omegas. I, I Kenny Omega's 36. Like, it, it's now or never for those guys. Some of those guys, it's going to be never. Um, but a guy like Naito, of course he's not going to sign with the WWE. Naito's like 35. Yeah, but what's he going to do in the WWE? I don't know. I like the character. But yeah, yeah it but doesn't it, translate well if you can't speak English. Not to Vince. Maybe they can, you know, sell you an NXT for a year, but that does nothing if you sign a three-year deal, go up to the main roster, and do shit for two. No, I, like, I've said it a billion times, man. I don't want to see these guys go. I don't. No. I Like, the WWE can barely handle the roster that they have. Yeah, and no, when I, I say barely, like... It's, I'm cool, man. I, like I, I don't want to see it. Apollo Cruz seems to be getting a little, a little love though. Does he? They, I mean, he's winning. He's going How over on gender. Gender was just a champion. Man, gender is cooked. Like there's, like gender is done. Apollo Cruz got a win in a match that had no heat. Like nobody gave a shit. Uh, dude, it's just, it's just indicative of where a lot of these guys are, man. It's when you have, like, like I said this a long time ago. When you have a wealth of riches, there's always going to be a bottom. And you, you look at all the talent that they have, somebody's got to be at the bottom of the totem pole. Ty Dillinger, Apollo Crews, Cien Almas. Like, these guys... Cien Almas isn't on bottom. He just headlined SmackDown. He headlined SmackDown. He didn't headline SmackDown. He, well, it, was the, he, it was the headline match, right? There was no match after that. It was like yeah, a was. face-off? Samoa Joe, and Dan, and Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy headlined SmackDown. Oh, shit. There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying about CN Almas, I'm, I'm not saying he's washed or anything like that, but there's got to be a bottom. There's got to be guys that are going to continuously lose that are never going to get sniff a title opportunity. Yeah, I don't think he's on the bottom. I think they're, at least I, I believe they're building him up for better things. Like him versus Ray Mysterio was a really good match. That don't mean they're going to push him. But I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that there's always going to be a bottom. There's going to be, Somebody. everybody can't be on top. Yeah. Everybody can't be on top. But so, the guys you would look at for the bottom, the, the Corbins, the um the older guys, it's okay for Jeff Hardy to be enhancement talent. Um, what the fuck is the Big Show doing? Deciding a tag team program, like because these he, type of things. They they still like they still push attractions. So Big Show's still an attraction. Mysterio still like he's still like the, the like dude. The whole fucking crown jewel, the most tone deaf pay per view in WWE history, was built upon recognizable names. It was not built upon guys who were good. No, because over there, I believe they only know recognizable names. I mean, but you you might as well just shrink that down, and that's America as well. Oh, that's horrible. Then that's that I mean, might be the look, casual audience. I mean, that is the casual fan. Like yeah. the kids, they they see the big show and they go, "Ooh, he's big." They don't look at CN almost be like, "He's a great wrestler." That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, it's Stephanie McMahon saying we can be as big as Disney. Oh God, you have to make concessions to do that. Like you have to, like. If NXT goes to television, it hurts NXT because now it has a different audience to serve. Like the the 205 Live found an audience because they they realized very quickly that they can't assimilate into that mainstream culture. Yeah. So you had so guys who get called up to the main roster, like we keep saying, man, please call them to the main roster. You gotta stop that shit. 
Because you, you're going to get what you ask for, and then you're going to be pissed when you get it. We ain't seen Todd Dillinger since when? I don't know. And I was I was a huge fan of the Perfect Ten. Even he he was just jobbing out. He got injured, so he's injured now and hurt, so he can't be on TV. But like like dude, Bobby Roode, come on. Oh my God, what happened to Bobby? Like him and Chad Gable are a tag team. That's the most random happenstance shit ever. But oh, it's Gable is so good. There's nowhere for them to go. I want Gable on Two Hundred Five Live. People knock Two Hundred Five Live, and I might be like the biggest fan of that shit in the world, or definitely in the media. I am huge on 205 Live. So that's just not a demotion to me. That's a savior for some guys. Like, Atami has been putting in work on 205 Live. Some of his best matches. He just had a great match two weeks ago. Probably his best match in WWE so far. And I I like 205 Live. Gable would tear it up down there. Anyone close to 205, just just beg to be sent down there. I like that Leo Rush is still like, no, I'm pushing to wrestle, even though I'm the Mike piece for Bobby Lashley. And he has a, a feud going on with Cedric Alexander, looking like, you know, they're going to push him as the next uh, title challenger in Leo Rush, that is. Yeah, so this like, the WWE, like, you talk shit about it. We all talk shit about it. But they do some things right. NXT, they do right. NXT UK, they do right. The Mavian Classic, they do right. Yeah. But then when you get to this crown jewel shit and you get to servicing the, the broader audience... Then it's the wheels start falling off because it's not for you anymore. It goes from like, um, uh, you know, like a, a, an art house film that you know that you love and adore to like this Transformers movie with a bunch of noise that's a bunch of trash, but it still sells because people go see that shit. Yeah, that's what it becomes. So it's like Crown Jewel is the perfect example. The fact that the main event was trash, trash. Let's talk about this. So real quick, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev in the pre-show. Nope. Um, that wasn't bad. They gave him 10 minutes. Cool. Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, the whole opening to the tournament, I can't really care less about. Uh, it was very heel heavy to me and who won, but I guess whatever. The whole tournament was booked heel heavy. So we have Mysterio, Miz, Rollins, Ziggler winning out the gate. Um, surprised to see Orton and Hardy lose. I'm surprised to see Kurt Angle lose. But all right, then we had... Kurt the, wasn't working. Kurt couldn't get through that. He couldn't do two matches in one night. No, barely get one out of him. Um, then we had The Bar defeated The New Day. Again, Next. big show assistance. Next. Yeah, which could be a good match without the stupid-ass shenanigans. Uh, we had The Miz then beats Rey Mysterio. Surprise with. And then Ziggler beating Rollins. So it was heel versus heel. So probably should have been the first indication that we we're going to get shenanigans. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. It was decent. It was short. Um, There's no heat. It was just kind of like they threw him back into his last feud because Daniel Bryan refused to come back. Mm -hmm. And so that was weird. And it was just a a mini match of what they've had already. And then we had Lesnar versus Strowman, which is the what the fuck match of the night. So Strowman pissed off Vince. No, like no. Some, something has to no, be wrong. No, I'm gonna or, or I... Lesnar read up backstage and Vince again just sucked at the teeth. No, nope. like, we'll give you the belt back. Nope, nope. Here's what I think happened. They're gonna give Strowman the title in the states. They're not gonna give him the title overseas. That's what I. I think it's really that simple. I think there's there's two things that work here. It's the fact that Brock is probably gonna hang around as he prepares for Cormier, and he's a big name. Because and they had to change course. Because neither of them are supposed to be the champion. Roman Reigns is supposed to be the champion. Correct. 
So if you're going to move the, the title off of to Strowman, you're probably going to do it in the States at a pay-per-view. Probably at TLC. Okay. So go ahead and book that. that. I don't think it has anything to do. Like, it sucks. Like, the, the whole thing is, crown. like, these mini WrestleManias is what they are. They're yeah. mini WrestleManias. They do really nothing. They end up being kind of like non-canon stories. They, like, they kind of just kind of disrupt everything. Because it forces them to shorten things like the Build a Survivor series. See, so you they can... shouldn't televise them then. What but does televising bring to you? Well, to who? To, to people who want to watch that shit? Everything. No, but, but why not just be a giant house show in Saudi Arabia and take the bag? They don't want a giant house show. Because people watch that shit. Like, people watched it. I watched the shit. I watched it too. Exactly. So, there, you're But I watch, I watch anything. So but, I'm that, not, I'm just but there's a lot of people that'll watch anything. That's the whole point. So they're going to televise the shit. So they have to build towards it as well. Yeah. So when you have to build towards it, it disrupts what happens in between paper, your traditional pay-per-views. But now you have like these diet WrestleManias jumping out every so often. The, the Super Show, the Crown Jewel, the Greatest Royal Rumble. It makes even WrestleMania like so. Because we like Shawn Michaels coming back as a WrestleMania moment. But we'll, it we'll talk about that in a second, too. That's fucking horrible. But the whole thing is, like, with Brock, I feel like the squash match, like, they booked it. They booked it, They had themselves booked into a corner with Roman being gone. They still had to go on with this match, and they had to make a decision. Do we give Braun Strowman the title, his first title reign, at Crown Jewel overseas at, a, at an event that started at 9 in the morning? Or do we just wait? And they're going to wait. And have him get squashed. Yeah, I mean they 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 had the uh, they're gonna use the Baron Corbin thing, but it was really yeah. I mean shit, Brock F five him out of the fucking ring, but it, it does never felt like it was a real match. So I feel like they'll do that. He'll get the title in this. And now you gotta wait a whole a whole extra month and a half because you have Survivor Series, which is co bred which yeah. we're seeing Lesnar versus um, Rollins again. Or, excuse no, me, Styles, yeah. You're getting Lesnar versus Styles again, and they are acting like the shit never happened, which is bizarre as hell to me. Like, Weird as fuck. Like, trying to hype it up again. Like, no, we just saw this last year. Yeah, and it was a good match. Yeah, it was a good match. It was a really good match. What the fuck? Yeah, so like, I, I expect Strowman to just wreck Lesnar in this match. This can't end the same way, right? Like, what, what Styles and... Are you talking about Strowman and Lesnar or Styles and Lesnar? No, with Styles and Lesnar, I expect Strowman to come out, fuck Brock up, and maybe Styles gets the win in the rematch due to Strowman's interference. It's possible. And that, that's how you build Setting them up. DLC. Yeah. And because Brock beaten Styles twice, like, you can't act like it didn't happen. Something different has to happen. Man, listen. You like, can't I just know run you, back the same fucking match two years in a row. Like, we love AJ Styles. I love AJ Styles. But they've treated his title run like they treated CM Punk's title run. I just want to see him headline. As long as well, he goes on last, I'm fine. Mm, probably won't. It better. It's champion versus champion. It's Brock Lesnar. You're not putting Brock Lesnar third on the card again. Um, There's a McMahon on the card. Oh, God. Shane running the team? Could be. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, man. You can't, you can't put anything past anybody here. Talking about Shane. Shane O'Mac. Uh, somehow they decided that having the Miz get injured one minute into his match with Dolph Ziggler was the way to go. Shane McMahon coming out and saying, I'm putting myself in this tournament for the best in the world. Best wrestler in the world is how they build it. 
And beating Dolph Ziggler in two minutes was the way to go. I know you were just ecstatic about watching that. It was, it was gross, man. But it's, that's the whole crown jewel. Like, that was torture porn. Like, I don't know why I watched that shit. <laughs> like, it was, but I it guess was, the crowd knows Shaming Mad. They don't know Dolph Ziggler. Like, uh, if you got a name, you win, I guess. I don't know. See, again, it becomes this thing because now you created this bullshit cup and now you got to carry it back into regular television because you can't act like the shit didn't happen because you did air it. So now it's like the best wrestler in the world, really? It's it's a joke, man. It's it's, but it's it's the brand, it, you know. There, there's good, there's good and the bad. There's the good, which is Becky Lynch. Becky which, Lynch, who's incredible right now. Who's yeah? And her social like, media is on fire. Heel Becky Lynch, like I said from the get go, is amazing. I didn't like how they got there. But once they were there, this is what she was meant to be. Yeah, and it, now it's becoming, it's really getting to the point. Oh, where, and Ronda could headline. You're right. Yes. But it's really getting to the point where Becky's not really a heel anymore. No, she got a little Austin vibe to her heel. Where she, she's clearly a heel, but very, people love it. Very good choice of words there. Very good choice of words there. Yeah, people, just people love that shit. Love it. So we'll, we'll see. And once again, the Her and Ronda trash talk, I'm here for. It's the best built feud up to Survivor Series, which we're a week away from, which is crazy because they didn't have time to build shit because of Crown Jewel. Yep. They're just throwing it together on the fly. We get go-home shows and we figure out who the teams are and why we should care. And they built it in two weeks. But that feud... That feud feels good, even in, in a week. They've been talking shit for a week, and it feels great. Um, so I'm excited to see how that turns out. Main event of Crown Jewel, though. DX, Triple H, and Bald Shawn Michaels versus the Brother of Destruction, Undertaker, and Kane. This shit was a disaster from the minute they took the ring. Dude, and this, was, this was watching Triple H wheel chairs around the retirement home. And with one arm. because Okay, so the plan was... Is to bring Shawn Michaels out of retirement, and instead of having him wrestle the best in the world that can protect him and carry him through a match and make him look amazing in AJ Styles, we're going to put him against a mayor and a 50-year-old. So when Shawn does a backflip and falls on his head and probably never wants to take the ring again, we really can't say shit, right? Like, I, I, I feel him when they let you fucking take redonkulous bumps and damn near hurt yourself. Oh, and by the way, Triple H, who's supposed to carry the match as the somewhat regular one and young one, gets hurt and tears his pectoral two minutes into the fucking match. And right, go, it, was, it goes another 25. It was 27 it, minutes. The, <laughs> that's it? I felt like that shit went 40 minutes. <laughs> it was 27, 45. Mm. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible, but that's... But, but if you watched it, you heard the fans going, this is awesome. Which means, y'all don't know what the fuck y'all watching. This I couldn't terrible. believe that chant. I was like, oh, maybe that's the only chant they know in English. It was, I mean, it was bad. It was, it was bad. Like, Kane losing his mask, like, that was terrible. <laughs> like, like, Sean, Sean the, 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 the backflip onto his head. Like, it was, it was everything that was basically telling, that was the universe telling them, stop. 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 Kane, lose your mask. Stop it. End this fucking match. Like, Sean, you're going to die. Triple H, you tore your peck. 
Undertaker <laughs> could barely fucking move. Like, everything in the universe was telling this match to stop. And they still went on with it. They ignored it. They said, we're going to get this 27 minutes off. This is why Brock Lesnar's match was three minutes. This is why Ziggler lost in 2.30. So we could be out here for a half an hour. Yo, that that was... And then, I mean, the other thing we didn't talk about, fucking Hulk Hogan. Oh, Hulk Hogan. It feels like this shit didn't even happen, Dre. I didn't even remember it was the same week. I mean, they, they jammed it all into one. Like They were like, <sighs> man, listen, y'all, look, y'all done killed the journalists. And we're still going to do this show. So let's just cram all the bad shit we can possibly think of into one show and hope everybody forgets about it. Yo, it really it really was. And he opens the show. And on Twitter, people were just canceling left and right. Like, that was it. People are canceling the network subscriptions, which that that's fine and dandy. Royal Rumble's going to come around. Everyone's going to get that shit back. Um... And that that's cool, and it, it made for a good moment. I guess it made people feel better. But we knew he was going to be there. And they parade him out in social media, though it fucking erupts. And they post a picture on their Instagram of Hulk Hogan, and people call him a racist. And there was not one good comment out of the first 500 on their Instagram when they posted that. They're and good. they don't bring his ass back for the rest of the night. How are you the host of something, and you only show up once? Dude, they just all... all... Crown Jewel, all those people wanted was to hear his music. That's it. It's like, that's all they wanted. They, they didn't want anything else. And he came out and he gave some bullshit ass opening remarks and left. And all of us felt really yucky inside. Like watching, like man, we've known for years, wrestling is racist. Like they, they've, they've preyed on stereotypes. They've done it for all their life. But this was just so like, listen, for every wrestling fan who like cares about anything, it was a fuck you to all of us. Yeah. Like, you know, and well, we me, knew who Vince was. Well, that, that's always my thing because I'm such a like I have an unhealthy obsession with pro wrestling, and I've said it a billion times. There's a few things that I just really have like it's my entire childhood, and for whatever reason, like I just can't turn it off like there has never been like a stretch of longer than like a month where i haven't watched wrestling it just doesn't happen that's just who i am i grew up watching this shit but it man it becomes really hard sometimes like i start hate watching it and watching crown jewel like i was hate watching this shit and it's like when i used to watch the bt awards after i left bt and i just be in there just crushing him like everybody else and then eventually i just stopped watching the bt awards but it's fun to trash it. But this wasn't even fun to trash. Like I was like, I can't even tweet about this shit. <laughs> it was. It's just bad. It's bad, and there's nothing we can do about it. But yes, if you you expect Vince again, Trump cabinet, Linda McMahon, everything that Vince, like everything that he's done, this is what they do. This is this is what they've always done. This shouldn't be that much of a revelation. But I commend those who canceled their subscription. Because you don't need wrestling like I do. Like, <laughs> I'm a junkie. Like, I, it's a hit. I need it. The other people, they got other shit they can get by with. So they don't need the network. Cancel the network. More power to you. I agree. It's like, go cancel that shit. But I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, I, I wasn't shocked by anything that happened. And, I mean, it, it's, it's what it is. Vince is about the money first. And Vince's character has, has long been known. Um... Vince has done worse shit than this. 
Maybe people forgot about it. Maybe they never knew. But this is just the the base of what Vince's beliefs are and money rules over everything. So if they want Hulkamania and they grew up with, you know, as a little Hulkamaniacs and they wanted to see him and he was on the table, Vince said, fuck it, we're bringing him. So that that was crazy and people canceled. We'll see if they come back. If they don't, sure the WWE didn't blink an eye. They, they have plenty of people who will continue to watch. I just want a better product at this point. Let, let's start from the fucking base level. And uh, it, but it's probably not going to change until Vince is is long gone. You keep saying that it's not going to change. I think it's going to change some. Stephanie's comments have me a little worried, but it's, it's I think it's going to change up. But aiming to be bigger than Disney, that just means that there's more Rondas on the horizon. I mean, there, there's more like you're, you're going to sign Gronk and then bury all the men who are in NXT and the Ricochets and the Finn Balors and everyone because Gronk is going to be heavyweight champion. I just don't know how you're holding out hope for this. Like, do you do you forget that Stephanie like came from Vince's balls? Like, dude, <laughs> the grapefruits? Are you telling me she came from the grapefruits? Nothing's going to change. <laughs> like, Triple H isn't running this company. Stephanie McMahon is running this company. Let's be very clear about this. Yeah, Triple H can he can play in the sandbox. He can he can you know he can go do hair. You know he can go help with makeup. He can go sign these little boutique wrestlers. But the big business, that's Stephanie McMahon. And when Vince is gone, you think Stephanie's not going to carry on that legacy and Ugh. answer those stockholders? You think she's not already been groomed to do that? The shit ain't changing. It's not going to be Shane. It's Stephanie. It's Stephanie, it's not going to change. It's, they're still going to service the same audience. Trey, in trips we trust. We got to have some hope. In no, trips we don't. We trust. No, what, what Triple H has understood is the boutique, is the underground. It, he understands that there's an audience for it, but the audience is not Monday Night Raw. The audience is not SmackDown, which is why he's taken advantage of the platform with the WWE Network and given us what we want because we're the people who pay for the network, so he gives us what we want. But NXT is not going to SmackDown. AJ Styles isn't wrestling Nakamura like he did at Wrestle Kingdom. No. It's not happening. Or like he so would have not, if they were both in NXT. Yeah, like just it's not happening. Like there's a reason why the May Young Classic final was only ten minutes on their evolution show. Whereas Ronda Rousey and, and Nikki Bella were headlining. There's a reason why that happens. It's not all Vince. It's the, the foundation that Vince set, and Stephanie will be damned if she ruins her cash cow because of what some boutique wrestling fans want. Yeah. You just a dasher of dreams right now. It's the truth, so <laughs> bring all this this logic into the podcast. Well, now that Andres has bummed me out for the day, uh, that's our show for this week. When we come back next week, we have plenty of stuff to review and to preview. We're actually going to preview Survivor Series NXT Takeover because we really haven't talked about all the NXT buildup. We'll go through all of that next week. Um, we'll recap some boxing. Talking about UFC, their 25th anniversary show is this weekend in Denver, I believe. So we'll recap that. Cowboy Cerrone on the card. Yes, um, he's fighting Mike Perry. Oh, my God. Fighting Mike Perry. And there's so much dissension just in the whole Winklejohn camp and shit. So that's crazy. We'll dive into some of that next week. And I'm sure there's some more buffoonery to talk about as well and pull out some more of these old man Andreas stories. Make sure you guys follow us in the meantime on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hale. Thank you guys for listening. Until next week, we're out. Peace.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.